This episode is dedicated to all adoptees, domestic and international. We here at Third Paradigm wanted to use this platform to help spread awareness of the bipartisan bill Adoptees Citizenship Act of 2019, H.R. 2731, which would give all undocumented adoptees citizenship to the United States. Stay tuned to the end of today's podcast to learn more, and please visit the links in the description box for further action. Thank you. Welcome to Third Paradigm. We are your hosts, Clarity and Nuance. Third Paradigm is a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The hosts and guests come from all backgrounds and different ways of thinking. We at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and the facts of life with respect while pushing the envelope. Full disclaimer, hosts and guests will share their opinions. The opinions of our guests are strictly their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm. However, when we, the hosts, share facts, we will back them up with evidence. If we are wrong, we will make it right as soon as possible because that is integrable. Welcome to Third Paradigm. So what topic are we covering today? Well, today we are covering adoption because November is National Adoption Month. And according to the Children's Bureau, the history of National Adoption Month dates back to 1976 when Massachusetts Governor Mike Dukakis I totally butchered that. Um, announced the first adoption week. Governor Dukakis's idea grew into popularity and quickly spread nationwide. That's really cool. Yeah. So with that being said, it would we we would like to take this opportunity to thank our special guests for coming on today. Um, we have a couple of plugins here. I have two. Um, we have Matt on here. Um, he has a really awesome blog that you need to check out. It is. We will be in the description box below, and we also have Grace as well on the show. Uh, Grace is part of a group that is called the Pinhook. They are a drag family or a drag family's performance venue. There are drag shows at least once a month, and they host a variety of other virtual events. They also have shifted to offer online art-centered political education courses. And please sign up for their newsletter, follow on social media, and donate to The Pin Hook. That is the pin, P-I-N-H-O-O-K dot com. And we'll also discuss the, put that in the description box as well, as well as the other plugins. For our special guest today, um, if you can just introduce your first name, that would be fantastic. Uh, hi, I'm Moni. Um, also, I just want to apologize if my voice sounds kind of funky. I did get um, tested positive for COVID earlier this week, so I'm recovering. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, no. sorry. <laughs> Hope you feel better. Who else do we have on the show? Uh, we have uh, uh, Matt here from, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt from uh, Detroit, Michigan uh, here. So glad to be a part of this discussion and uh, E meet everyone else that's uh, here on the podcast. Welcome. Who else do we have? Uh, my name is Kali, and I live in Colorado. Welcome, Kali. Hi, Kali. Hi, Kali. Hi. Hello, this is Nisha. I'm from Thatcher, Arizona. Welcome. Thank you. And Grace, Hi, you're welcome, 
All right, um, so moving to the next question. Uh, describe your childhood. Was it enjoyable or were you concerned about being an adoptee? Anyone can go first. Uh, this is Nisha and I was adopted back in 1975, so it was a long time ago. So things were a lot different, I think, than they have been recently. So I, as an adoptee, I felt really sad as a child because I I felt like I did not fit in. I was um, started kindergarten, and I've actually lived in this small town for pretty much all my life. So it was a really small town. So there weren't many Asians at all. So I I felt really sad because uh, my grandparents that raised me were Caucasian. So a lot of kids were were mean. They always asked questions like, why... um, they knew I was different, obviously, and, and my family was different. So I, I just felt really sad because the kids would always say mean things like, how come your parents left you? And why do you live with these old white people? And just different things like that. So I can say I actually felt, I felt sad growing up as a child. Mm. I felt like I didn't belong. And, and my own family, my adopted family didn't try to make me feel that way. It was just probably all the questions and and the way that other children acted that made me feel that way. No, oh, I'm sorry. That happened to you. Yeah, thank thanks you. for sharing that. Thank you. Um, this is Holly, and I would agree with Nisha that it was a pretty similar experience for me. Um, I was adopted in 1998, so for, you know, sooner. Wait, dinner? No. Uh, not that not that long ago. But um yeah. Well, I grew up in a place where it was mostly white. The odd thing is actually Monty and I were neighbors. So I had her. But um we didn't like talk about it often or anything. Um but like everywhere around us was just like in school and everything like that. It's very white where I grew up. So, um, yeah, I did get a lot of comments and never felt like I really fit in and I always tried to find my place. Um, yeah, I just never felt like I belonged anywhere. No. Uh, yeah, I can attend with what Kali said, this is Marnie, by the way, I and mean, we grew up in the same town and it's very, very, like, not diverse. So I had a lot of the same kinds of feelings of not really feeling like I fit in and feeling like there weren't a lot of people who looked like me. Um, I would say, though, that it was a little different since my mom is a social worker, so I grew up meeting a lot of other adopted kids, and I have an older sister who is also, um, internationally adopted from China but like you know we didn't really talk about adoption stuff until we were much older but growing up as a kid it was like um I knew I was adopted I knew like about all that stuff but it was just like finding a place to fit in was really difficult um also obviously because of the racial diversity was very low and yeah it was just a lot of white people (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it can, play, it can be very relatable. Like, when it comes to the world of adopting, and it kind of go across 
goes across like all walks of life. It's like, it's a very different lived experience and it's sometimes very difficult to explain to non-adoptees, regardless of one's background or where they came from. Because to some extent, it's kind of like, and we'll dive more into it as we go on with the questions, that it feels like you're in this almost like a limbo world where you don't feel too much like you can fit in in one group, you can't really fit into this group. And you, to some extent, a friend kind of explained that it's almost like getting like psychologically orphaned to some extent. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Amanda, what, did, what was your uh, experience like for as a domestic adoptee? Um, so I suppose in some ways my, uh, my childhood was a bit different. So um, I was adopted. My brother that I grew up with was also adopted from a separate family. Um, my adopted mother was adopted, and her mother was adopted. So I'm a third, uh, I guess that makes me, what, a third generational adoptee in a sense? Um, so as far as, like, familial um, comfortability, I always had, like, um, a bit of a support. Um, obviously, there is like a huge generational gap between like how adoptions happen between my grandmother versus my mother and then versus myself. But I always, I did always have someone to at least talk to about it who, um, even though our experiences were maybe different, they could at least somewhat relate. So um, I do feel very privileged um, in that regard, you know, so. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So we got about a minute left. Anybody else would like to chime in? Uh, yeah, I'll bring up. This is Matt um, speaking. Where I grew up uh, in the metro uh, Detroit area, um, I could certainly relate. There's times where I could say it was sad, but if I really had to describe it too, it was definitely like more of an identity crisis than anything, which it'll, this will kind of tie to the other questions too. But um, but I also had a different experience too, where I, when I was growing up, um, my parents, I have two other adopted siblings from, also from South Korea, but not in the blood relation. And uh, we were enrolled in Korean culture camp, which I now realize after I've talked to a lot of adoptees, not every adoptee had that experience or had the ability to go to one. And so for me, since first or second grade, I was ingrained, um, knowing a little bit about Korean culture, but not like being the expert on it, but at least just having something, you know, be able to tie to. And, you know, my parents were also Caucasian. Um, I also have uh, my older sister, which is from my mom's first marriage, but then she divorced. And then my dad met my mom and adopted my older sister. So kind of like Amanda, like technically like my whole family's adopted, but um, in, in doing that. And, uh, and yeah, like it was definitely, like times where I would get picked on being called like Kim Cheat or like maybe in high school or something or uh, doing something like that, which I find kind of funny to look at now because now like Korean food is all the rage and all of a sudden out of nowhere it became popular and acceptable, which is great um, in, in doing that. But yeah, growing up, it was actually kind of nice. Um, there was a handful of Korean adoptees that um, I grew up with and two of which uh, the three of us plus one of my friends, we traveled to South Korea together. Uh, it was my second trip over there, but it was their kind of like first trip as an adult. They went when they were like preteen, but it, you know, it wasn't their money, so they don't really remember much of it and didn't really have a choice on where they went. And, uh, but that was really cool. Uh, 
you know, growing up that there was at least probably 10 other Korean adoptees that I grew up with, uh, different ages, different schools, but we would know we met each other through Korean culture camp. Um, and that was definitely like a blessing that I look back at it now that I, I was really kind of fortunate and uh, to have that experience and doing that. Oh, thank you so much, man, for sharing. And that's amazing. Mm. Yeah, no, it was definitely great because uh, at the end it was a you know summer long camp from like you get there at like 8:30 in the morning and you're done by one o'clock. Uh, so Monday through Thursday you'd kind of like be in class with people your own age, uh, but they're all Korean adoptees. And but Friday you did like you either did throughout the week like Taekwondo, you did Korean drumming, or you did like some type of dance and you just signed up for whichever one you felt like. But then it was the best because you, at the end of the week, all the Korean moms at the church cooked up all the Korean food and everyone just got to hear So it was amazing. Thank wow. you for sharing that. Yeah. Clarity, are you ready for the next one? Yeah. Okay. When did you fully come to terms with being adopted and how did you feel? Hmm. Well, this is Nisha, and um, I don't think I even came fully to terms with it until my later 20s. Um, I was, I think I was a bitter kid. I, I don't even think I know. I was, I grew up being a bitter child just because of feeling so shunned by a lot of different people. Um, and then, of course, hearing that question, why did your parents give you up? And, and it, you know, it kind of starts like exactly like why did my parents give me up like what in the world what happened what went wrong and that was just me um trying to like close a lot of things out trying of course being a child not understanding growing up being a teen still not understanding um so becoming upset like why did my parents give me up why did they just um you know give me up for adoption why did somebody else get me and then as well um because my adopted parents gave me to my grandparents to raise me so I kind of felt like it was um happened a couple times so I was pretty bitter at my biological parents and my adopted parents um for leaving me so I wasn't in my later 20s until I had finally met the lady who took me out of the orphanage so it was somebody who could give me a little bit of answers of from my life that I had never had and it's I don't know if it's because my adopted parents didn't, we didn't talk about me being from Vietnam. Um, of course, I knew I was adopted, but all I ever heard was, you know what, you're adopted, but you're like our daughter. You're, you're, we'll always claim you as ours, so we love you for our own. But for me, that wasn't enough growing up. I wanted to know what happened. Where did my parents go? Why did they give me up? But it was something that I never could talk to anybody about. So once I was into my later um, 20s and the lady found me who took me out of the orphanage, she was able to give me a little bit more um, answers to some things. I mean, of course, you were from this orphanage. Um, you were part of Operation Baby Lift, which is something that I did not ever know of. Mm. So, I mean, some things were making me feel a little bit better, like, hey, I have a few answers now. But of course, those answers of where are my real parents, what's the, the full story of what, what became of me, how did I, or, or should I say, how, how did I become, where did I come from, what, what really happened are always going to be questions for me that 
who knows if I'll ever come to full terms with being adopted. Of course, it's it's what I am, but there's just a lot of stuff that I still would like to dig for, and that I feel like maybe now it might even be too late. It's I'm already going to be 47, so I feel like there's a lot of questions out there I still have that I still would love to find the answers to, and I just don't know if I ever will. Well, thank you for sharing that. Does hey, anybody welcome. else want to jump in? Grace, would you like to jump in? Sure, thanks. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing all that. Um, um, yeah, I would agree. I think in my later 20s, maybe around 27, um, I'll uh, maybe started to kind of... I would agree also that it kind of feels like a continuous process and I've been through lots of therapy um, to try to figure all this out. But I also, I grew up actually another layer to my adoption. I grew up um, overseas on American military bases. Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't, I had, didn't move to, I've, you know, was adopted, became an American citizen, but never really, uh, we visited the States, but I only moved to the States in 2008. And... Um, I kind of described myself as a little bit uh, like racially naive when I had, there was actually a big group of us adopted around the same time um, from all different countries, India, China, Korea, uh, Panama. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so when I when kind of grew up around a lot of adoptees, um, and, but didn't really understand uh, particularly the race dynamics of the United States. So kind of having to reckon with all of that um, I think around 27 was, you know, I really started, you know, there's all these layers, you know, what is Asian, what is Asian American, what is all of that when you're adopted as well are continuous questions. And it, um, I think I also struggled with a lot of mental health, a lot of um, struggles here a lot of my life. And so, um, I think those bigger questions that are hard, the things of like, like Nisha was talking about, like, um, you know, why, why was I given up? Um, you know, are forever questions, it feels like. I'm, I coincidentally am in touch with my biological family, but it's still a question because, you know, we don't know who we can trust. But to me, there's also this other question around and I've become politicized around adoption, you know. Um, the question is often, why are you giving up? But I think we also have to look at, you know, the people who adopted us. I think in the um, questions of power um, and the ways that particularly, like, Americans or Europeans, quote-unquote, first world country folks, um, go in and uh, take these babies out of, out of these you know, predominantly cultures of color. Um, there's stuff around power there that's hard. It's hard to to reckon with. Um, lots more to talk about, but all that to say, it really feels like a continuous process to kind of integrate all of our experiences. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Seriously, thank you all for being very open and very, being very vulnerable, especially because that's the way the show is designed, and it can be very hard to be very open with these experiences because it always feels like you can't really open up without feeling like you're going to get judged by somebody. 
So thank you everyone yeah. for, for your responses. So moving on to the next question, um, have friends and family ever asked you uncomfortable questions or statements, such as, do you know your, quote, real parents? And how did that make you feel? Um, uh, this is uh, Moni, by the way. Um, and this was actually something that I was asked, like, late last year. And I was doing kind of like an interview because I was going to do uh, personal assistant work for my neighbors. And, you know, we were kind of just getting to know each other and whatever, since I've been working pretty close with them. And one of them asked me if, like, I was happy to be here, which I thought was kind of weird. I didn't really know what to say. I was kind of, like, taken aback because I've never been asked that before. Of, like, am I grateful to be you know, living in the United States versus um, in my in Vietnam or whatever. And um, I don't know, I found it a bit offensive because it's not like I really had a choice in being adopted. And there's no way for me to know what my life could have been like if I wasn't in the States. And like, I've had a lot of thoughts growing up thinking like, what if I wasn't adopted? What if I was still with my, you know, with my birth mom and in this country or that country or whatever. But I realized there's no, not really a point thinking about it because there's no way I could know. There's no reference that I have to know what that could have been like. And so I've definitely had a number of kind of baffling questions that I'm kind of just surprised that people think it's appropriate to ask that kind of stuff. And like, um, at the time, I kind of just answered it as best as I could, but afterwards, like, looking back on it, I realized, like, that was not an appropriate question, and I probably should have confronted them being, like, you know, I don't feel comfortable answering that because it's, you know, a bit invasive, and it's not really... Mm -hmm. that, it's kind of rude. <laughs> um, and I, I've gotten a lot of questions, too, about my biological family, um, but... I, I also did have an open adoption, so we did have a lot of information and I was able to meet my birth family. And so like talking about it doesn't bother me that much, although it's kind of like, sometimes it feels a little sensationalized when people are asking about it, when it is, you know, it, it realistically is my life and like my story, you know, it's not like some made up, kind of thing and it is very personal to me so sometimes the intention of when people ask it can feel kind of off and I might not want to answer it but for the most part I'm pretty open about it but like there's definitely a lot of prying questions from people that you don't really know that you don't feel comfortable with that like don't realize how personal adoption really is and I feel like that's kind of like when it crosses the line. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you. Very yeah, much. this is uh, yeah, this is uh, Matt. To kind of go off her point too, it's uh, it's also that question. You know, do you know? It's not do you know your parents? It's do you know your real parents? So at least that was like this kind of tone, and it's it's trying to be passed off as polite. It's kind of nosy, but when it comes down to it, it's very rude. And it's for me. Uh, yeah, I've had hundreds of people ask me that question. Anytime I bring up 
that, you know, I was, you know, I'm of Korean descent or, you know, adopted because they'll see like my last name and clearly know that it's not Korean <laughs> doing that. <laughs> and, but it's, it's like, it's, it's more annoying than anything. And, and to be honest, uh, the icebreaker question that you were going to start with, I totally thought it was going to be like, oh, for every adoptee out there, do you know you, who your real parents are? <laughs> I totally thought that was going to be the icebreaker question. Because I was like, oh, my gosh, like I can feel the wind of everyone throwing their hands up. And, you know, you have that. And, uh, you know, for me, like, I, I love my parents. And I, the answer, I, I try to, like, uh, how she mentioned, my mentioned, like, I try to give, like, a really short answer because, to me, it's um, – you know, I've seen, I'm a big Marvel fan. And so, like, I remember seeing, like, interview questions with um, Jeremy Renner and Scarlett Johansson. And they asked Jeremy or Robert Downey Jr. about, like, the intense workout they had to do or, like, the art of the acting. But then they go to Scarlett Johansson. They said, so what was the diet that you were on for you to, like, get in this role? And she's like, are you kidding me? Wow. Like, that's, wow. like, that's, a, yeah, if you guys YouTube it, it's, like, it's a, a, you can feel the frustration. And it's very similar to when people ask, and adopt you like do you know who your real parents are and you're like of all the questions you could have asked me that's the one that you decide to lead with and to me like i i roll my eyes to like the back of my head i'm just like ugh like can you please ask me a different question because like i probably don't or in this case like i definitely don't but my real parents are the ones that raised me you know regardless you know where i grew up it's like no they i was raised in metro detroit and you know, these are, this is my mom and dad, like, end of discussion. Like, can we please move on to, like, you know, and it's like, gosh, like, you had such an opportunity here, and you blew it. So, yeah, it's definitely, I wouldn't even say it's uncomfortable. It's just that, to me, it's annoying uh, to be like, okay, that's, that's all you have to ask is this, like, and that's all you're interested in. Like, there's there's a lot more to under the surface that we would love to talk about and do that, but, yeah. <laughs> But I've, I've I had that so many times in my life as well, and I think one of the best responses I've ever heard, um, and we got a minute left on the question, so we still have time for another comment, but um, <laughs> the best response that I've ever heard, and I've done it myself now, when I get that question of, do you know your real parents? I go, yeah, they're at home. <laughs> <laughs> so we have time for one more response, if uh, anyone wants to jump on that one. Yeah, Amanda here. Um, no, I definitely have gotten the do you know your real parents uh, question quite a few times. And my response has pretty much been the same as it seems like yours. Like, yeah, they're at home or, you know, like, yeah, the, the ones that raised me. What are you? Like, what sort of question is that? I think what has really bothered me the most, though, is how people um, ask me about my preferences of pro-choice versus pro-life and making assumptions you know, one way or the other, just like that to me has always been, I think the rudest, the absolute yeah. rudest question or just yeah. conversation to even just bring up. I don't know if anyone else has ever had to have that, but it's, oh boy. That's a wow. very good point. I didn't even think about that one. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's a very strong one. Uh, so moving yeah, on to the good. next question, uh, Clarity? Yeah. Uh, okay. Has adoption impacted you in a mental and emotional way today, or has it unfazed you? Um, this is, this is long, oh. Ethan. I, it's okay. I'll go first. But um, it's 
definitely, definitely impacted me emotionally and mentally. And it wasn't really, I think it kind of ties into the question of like, when did I really start thinking about being adopted? Um, or like coming to terms to it. And like, um, for me, I didn't really like understand the mental and emotional kind of like baggage that kind of just randomly shows up to you throughout the years like out of nowhere and it really kind of came up when I had like my first relationship and like as an adoptee I found relationships are really difficult for me not just like friendships but like you know romantic relationships and things like that and that's kind of when like all of it really started like exploding and like coming to the surface and um my I remember too I felt kind of silly I was like why am I so upset over this like it's not even a big deal like you know whatever and I remember my sisters asking me like maybe it's because of you know adoption stuff and then that kind of just set a huge ball like rolling in my head and um so like since then I've really thought about it and I've been like really reflected on you know what I was like as a kid and like what I was like in high school in terms of my adoption and seeing it being reflected like in my work life and my personal life and um it's kind of frustrating seeing how much it affects me but it is kind of nice knowing that it's like I I can kind of pinpoint it onto certain things, I guess. And I'm not just like completely confused, like why am I messed up or like whatever. Like I can kind of, I feel like I've gone to understand myself a little bit better because of it, even though it is a bit frustrating being like, oh, like I'm feeling extra, you know, isolated today. I wonder why that is. And then kind of being like, maybe it's an adoption thing. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But um, coming to terms with it, did help me kind of decide which direction I wanted to grow into and like it really helped me understand myself better but it's been difficult for sure but you know therapy definitely helps <laughs> therapy mental health matters great suggestion yeah. uh, uh sure um yeah <laughs> um yeah I can definitely relate on I think um um, well, oh, uh, uh, quick touch on that, um, um, that, mm, um, sorry, my, uh, actually, I was had several accidents, and actually, as I started to work through a lot of, um, trauma and things, my, my brain, uh, functions a, a, a little bit differently, um, so, um, I speak kind of slow sometimes, um, but, um, <laughs> The the uh, pro life pro choice. Uh, not that's a whole other podcast episode. But I'd say adoptees are often used for props on both sides, and that is yes, the very difficult thing. Um, I will say uh, a, a sometimes difficult thing to reconcile um, for adoptees in particular is like is um, no matter how um, good of an experience somebody might have had with an adoptive family. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to realize that an adoption is, is trauma, uh, no matter what. So it's kind of, I, I guess to me, it's like 
it's not a question of are you impacted um, emotionally or psychologically. What we are, there's uh, to me, there's no question. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a, um, a matter of finding community and support and working through it. Absolutely, that's a really good answer. We got quite a bit of time left. Uh, we got about two minutes or so on this question. Anybody else would like to jump in? Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> all right, all right. So we'll just move on to the next one. It's actually kind of a two-parter as well. And I also wanted to uh, say as well, that is a very good point that I never even thought about is a lot of times um, adoptees, and I've seen this myself firsthand as well. I, I will agree on that. I've seen when it comes to that debate about pro-life, pro-choice, I have seen adoptees used as props on both sides where it goes from, oh, just put the child up for adoption. And I've seen also the arguments of, oh, no, the, don't put the child. Like, it's, it's, like the, it's like the adoptee person has a brain and they have uh, an experience themselves. So uh, can we not use them as a, as a ping pong ball, please? <laughs> so glad conversation is really important because especially during the um, National Adoption Month, is adoptee voices from from this uh, conversation. So thanks, y'all, again. Yes, thank you, everyone. So the next question that we have is uh, technically a two-part question, um, and you can answer it however you would like to. Um, Have you ever wanted to meet your biological family, or have you already done so? And if you have, um, what is your relationship uh, like with them, if you know them? Um, this is Kali, and I feel like it's been a whole journey of going back and forth of wanting to meet them and not wanting to meet them. Um, when I was really, when I was younger, in like elementary school, I remember wanting to meet them, but then I wasn't able to because we found out I was a citizen. Um, and then. My parents decided that I shouldn't go back to Vietnam until I was 18 because I had a very corrupt job shift. There was a lot of um, a lot of illegal things going on, and so uh, we didn't want me to go back until I was an adult. Um, and so, since like in between that time, I went back and forth between wanting to meet them and not wanting to meet them. And then I deal with chronic illness, and so I've been really sick for many years of my life and that's also impacted whether I've wanted to meet them because I was like I don't know if I want to go back being really sick and be like hi like you gave me away and this is what happened like I don't know I just feel kind of weird about that but then recently I've been like that's just like kind of an excuse because we were always waiting for me to get better but that may never happen and so like by the time that I decide that I am like it's ready to go, it might be too late, you know? And so, yeah, it's been kind of a back and forth thing for me, but um, recently I was also diagnosed with a new condition, that's a genetic condition. And um, so I got it from either my mom or my dad and it impacts my life so much, um, which is really interesting because it's made me feel closer to them in a way that I hadn't before. Oh, thank you very much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. It's Amanda. Uh, so I, I did actually get to uh, find my biological family. 
Um, mm. Back in 2015, I, um, I petitioned the state to get my original birth record. Um, just on the hope that uh, I would get something. All I knew growing up was that um, it was a partially closed adoption, so my parents didn't have a whole lot of information themselves, but that didn't necessarily mean that I wasn't going to be able to find the information. Um, so I sent that in um, super early in the year 2015, and then <laughs> surprisingly enough, a few days before Thanksgiving, um, in the mail, I got all of my records. My birth certificate had a completely different name on it, which was what? Ab what? absolutely wild. So um, I was born Heather Lee, um, and when my parents adopted me, adopted me, they changed my name to Amanda. Um, so there was that. There was like, I, I mean, just. So, like just a lot of information to go through, um, you know, records of interviews of my biological mom and my biological dad, uh, records from interviews with my adopted parents, you know, just like a lot of information. And from that, I, uh, I went online and I was already a part of a lot of adoption boards. And I went looking, using some of the information I had, and... <laughs> The board that I had been looking at for probably a year and a half had this one ad on it that was looking for a Heather um, from, it, it was Saginaw General at the time, um, and the birth date was off by a day. So I had been seeing my sister's ad looking for me for years, wow. like a year. <laughs> so it was, it was just so emotional and the fact that it was like a few days before Thanksgiving too it was just it was just so much um and then uh I got in touch with her and we met a couple days later um and we started to form a relationship um and you know I got to meet my my biological mom my biological dad had unfortunately passed um around the same time that I had petition to look for for them so that was um heartbreaking oh, wow. um but um i i did get to meet my grandmother and a lot of other very wonderful people still um we're not uh i think our chances to grow as a family unfortunately because i found them so late on in my life i couldn't form those same bonds you know that a family would so they are i i consider them my family but they're still it's, it's they're still rather distant they're more like distant family to me and i still cherish the relationship but it is it is a different relationship than what i have with the people I grew up with, you know, so. Man, you're hitting the feels tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so for sharing that. No, 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 that's the whole, that's no, the whole thing. Yeah. Gotta let it all out. Gotta let it all out. It's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I do have to say, um, I, I do feel 
Uh, I'm grateful for all of you. Um, I've never had this many adoptees in one conversation before, so it's, 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 it's great to talk about these things. It really Aww. is. I hope Aww. you all appreciate it. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. Welcome to yeah. the family. <laughs> wow. We uh, we got another minute left if anybody wants to uh, jump in on that while I dry my eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is uh, Matt here. I'll, I, I, I'll tie in the last question too, if that's okay. Um, you know, to like talk about the mental impact. So for me, uh, Five years ago, in 2015, I was dating a girl at the time, and the long, the short version of the story is she broke up with me in Venice, Italy, and it was very wow. traumatic. I was, of course, like crushed and heartbroken that like she chooses all the places in the world to do it. Like, and Italy for me is actually really special. So I studied abroad in Italy, so I always joke that I'm Italian at heart because I can speak it. <laughs> I lived it. I lived in Rome, and you know I'm as much Italian as I am Korean, and uh, I can totally like order food in Italian and love it to death. But uh, we, we were there and she really left me, I was so like bitter and angry when she broke out with me, but she, she said a piece of advice to me and it's in the blog too, but the advice was like, you know, she's like, Matt, like you're, you're a really beautiful individual, but like we're just not meant to be together. My heart's with someone else. I can't continue on this relationship. And of course, like no one ever wants to hear that. And so, but I remember she's like, no, like you're beautiful inside and out. I think you're a great guy. It's just, she just flat admitted, like, it's just not for me. And, you know, I don't want you to devalue your, your self-worth because I'm breaking up with you. And, you know, that it always like kind of stuck with me to, again, kind of go back to the last question about how the adoption impacted me. So then we fast forward to two years later in 2017 in April, I go to Korea for the first time. Yes, I tried to find my biological parents, which I did not meet, but I met the nurse that delivered me wow. and went and found the birth clinic, the exact table chair that I was born in. And everyone's like, oh, well, there's no way wow. this could happen. Well, wow. then she remembered, she was like, oh, wait, what's your birthday? And I was like, oh, it's in, you know, February of this year. And she opens up this cabinet and, and of course everything's in Korean, so I, I don't know what's going on. And she couldn't speak English, which I was warned about. I didn't have a translator. And it was totally like a moment where I could totally understand everything she was saying based on body language. And I, of course I had to bring a translator like three days later to like verify all this. But what had happened was I remember being so let down because I thought for sure I was going to be able to find my birth parents. I have her name on my adoption papers. I had the, the age, you know, the birth clinic I was born in. So I thought it was a, a clear winner that I was going to find out where I was only to be found that they couldn't find the information and doing that. So it was very traumatic. It was super traumatic. I remember like, so I was walking around Seoul. Uh, in this neighborhood where I was adopted at and just feeling alone. Like there's 25 million people in the metropolitan Seoul area. I never felt so alone until like the only time I felt alone was when I was broken up with someone. And then it like clicked with me. Then the, the whole mental thing clicked with me where I'm like, oh my God, this is totally like getting broken up with a girl that I didn't want the relationship to end. And, it, and to me, it, like it totally clicked where I'm like, 
maybe this is why I have a real hard time with breakups. Like, with, from, like, romantic, you know, relationships I would try to go after, and, you know, I would always blame myself, like, oh, I'm not, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't tall enough, I wasn't attractive enough, I didn't make enough wow. money. And it really clicked where I was like, no, this has nothing to do with me. Like, my self-worth and my value. And, uh, you know, I'm still not, like, 100% healed, and, like, a lot of people mentioned, you know, therapy. I've gone to therapy plenty of times and, and doing that. But that was a, a singular moment that I remember where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, my adoption and, like, the trauma that's associated with it has everything to do with how I felt about past relationships and how I kind of treated them and, like, when things would end. And I would try everything to hang on to that relationship because I didn't want to go through being given up again. Um, and like totally clicked. And so for me, it was, you know, one of the things is like, you know, I would love to meet my parents, but uh, there's a Korean adoptee that in the, my blog post, I will, I'll save the quote and people can check it out, but it's just, it's so traumatic to go through that over and over, that loss and, uh, and having to go through that over and over again, that for me, it's like, I've kind of stopped trying to work because I don't want to relive that trauma over and over again. Um, so it kind of made me from a mental state to be like, you know, I really do have to love myself inside and out. So what if I'm different from everyone else? That's something that, um, you know, Amanda, we were, you know, when you were talking, it's, um, you know, it's, it's almost great to have a community of uh, not just Korean adoptees, but any adoptees, because we all have gone through something so traumatic that not everyone else is going to be able to know that experience. I think that's why adoptees get along so well together. Yeah, because like we've all been through it, so it's like there's no like one-upping needed. It's like no, we've been there. We get it. Like it sucks, and um, you know, I'm doing that. And uh, yeah, so that was like for me, like you know, that's where going back to the original question of like, oh, how do you feel? Do you feel uncomfortable when people ask, do you know your real parents? And it almost starts to ignite that trauma again. But that like. What you mentioned was like, oh yeah, they're at home. Like that, that should be the response I should lead with and just nip it in the butt and be done with it. And, oh yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. And uh, in doing that, but yeah, like, and again, it's kind of like not even do you know your real parents? I guess another question could be too, you know, how often do you get asked, like, do you look for your family, you know, and doing that? And I wish just more people like realized how traumatic that question is. And it's like, well, yeah, for medical reasons, it might be nice, or to, maybe it's because you want to see that you look like someone or, you know, know whatever it is. Like, yeah, of course, but do we want to go through, like, the breakup again? Probably not. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and yeah, it's like, it's super traumatic, and I, I wish more people could understand that uh, a little bit more, you know, just about the bias, you know, uh, someone that isn't adopted, to ask, like, oh, do you want to search for your biological family? It's like, well, yeah, I'd like to, but... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. we have one last question left, and I'll let Clarity finish that one off. But before we get to that one, I just wanted to say from the bottom of all of our hearts here at Third Paradigm, we really appreciate every single one of you coming on the show and being open and honest and sharing your stories and hearing your perspectives, because it really does feel, when we talk about intersectionality in today's world when it comes to dealing with different problems and different issues in different communities, it feels that adoptees kind of get left out of a lot of conversations. Like we don't hear a lot about, say, um, adoptees who are 
uh, interculturally adopted, raised by white parents and then um, are biologically of a different ethnicity or like Amanda, you brought up like even just like perspectives of like domestic adoptees. And there, there's so many conversations that gets left out, but we'll close on this last question. And then there's some really important information I wanted to share at the very end of this uh, podcast. So Clarity, um, the last question. Yeah. Um, what advice would you um, share with adoptees today who may be struggling with their adoption? Uh, this is Nisha. And I'm just going to chime in here because I think um, I agree with what everyone's saying. It's it's hard to hear those questions. And, and normally the questions that come about are from somebody who isn't adopted. So whether they're trying to make conversation or they're just straight up curious, the questions that they ask, are, they go deep for us. So it's like, yeah, that's a great question. Why did they give me up? Or, um, no, I haven't met my parents. I would love to, though. but. You know, of course I've tried to find my parents. Um, of course I'm still trying. Things that we feel like, wow, that's kind of rude. It's like I, they have no clue. And for me, the biggest thing of when I did even start coming around into my later 20s was is I found a group of other people who were like me, and I never knew that existed. So I grew up here in this small town. I thought I was the only one in the whole wide world that was adopted from Vietnam <laughs> and that had white um, parents, grandparents, um, who didn't have any siblings, who knew nothing about my past, um, nothing about the war that I came from. So I felt really isolated, really alone, and I didn't have anybody to talk about. So after finally opening up and searching and finding people and being part of these Facebook groups of other Vietnamese adoptees, Operation Babylift um, people, it, that's huge. And for me, I mean, it, it, it just goes so deep to, to go back there and to talk about it. It brings me to tears still to this day. So many things, but the fact that I can talk to, talk to you guys about it, it's like medicine for me. It's, it's mm -hmm. easier each and every time to talk about it. It's easier each and every time to ask questions or to answer questions or to continue my search and just to, to try to be strong through it all. So the biggest thing I would want to share with other adoptees who are struggling is to talk about it. Don't be silent about it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Find other people that you can talk to that understand you, and that is other adoptees, truthfully. It really, really helps to be able to talk about it all with you guys, and I, I appreciate all of you. Um, this is college, and I would say that um, just know that you're not alone. It can feel like it, and kind of like what Nisha was saying, um, but there's so many other people who have very similar experiences to you. Um, and I'd also say that whatever you feel is perfectly valid and it's okay and it's not wrong. Um, you know, feeling hurt by people asking these questions or, you know, feeling alone and all these things, like it's perfectly normal and um, it's okay to feel those things. And I would also say that, you know, most of the people who are asking these questions are just ignorant. You know, they're not trying to maliciously, you know, like hurt you. They just don't know how to ask 
what they want to know. You know, they're curious. And so I would say that even if it hurts you to just keep that in mind, that um, usually they're not, you know, trying to, um, to hurt you. They don't even realize that they are. Right. Agree. Agree with Um. Uh. This is Moni. And I would say, yeah, I definitely agree with what everyone said so far. I really think having someone to talk about it has helped. Um, and it's kind of scary diving into emotional trauma that you don't really understand, but I do think it really helps you have a better understanding of yourself. And um, I, I do think it's important because like being repressed by it, it makes it really difficult to live freely and I found that when I did reach out and have very close intimate conversations with other adoptees about adoption and about the similar things we were going through, it it did help and it really makes you realize like you're not completely alone in your experiences and I feel like there's a lot of really specific kinds of emotional things that adoptees go through that like you know some of the things that I think in my head I'm like oh my god like this is so stupid like why am I feeling like this and then I'll kind of talk about it to one of my adopted friends or something and they're like oh my god I had the exact same feeling and I'm like oh, okay and you know it it just helps to know that you're not completely alone in what you're going through and that it's okay um to go through those kinds of things and have those emotions and it's definitely difficult to kind of get into that and to recognize those traumas and see, you know, how it has affected you. But I do think it really helps in understanding yourself and helping, you know, move on in, in your life and go forward where you want to go. Um, and I know for me personally, like a lot of my personal, like, adoption issues were really linked with identity and self-worth and it's really really hard to like get that out of your head but having a really good support system and having people who do genuinely care about you and um you know being able to talk to them freely and openly and having that accessibility and that trust is really important and it's really really helped me like kind of come out of myself because I I was definitely very repressed and introverted. I'm still a little introverted, but um, definitely not as much as I used to be. And I owe that a lot to myself and in opening up to other people and having them open up and vice versa and being able to have really, um, you know, trustworthy conversations and relationships like that. Because I feel like as adoptees, relationships can be really difficult and it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to get too close because I'm really attached to them. So you're like super distant and then it's hard to open up to people. And I found when I've been able to do that and open up to the right people, it's been completely worth it. And like, it is really hard because there's going to be a lot of hit or misses with people. But I think, you know, having having a good support system and core people that you can trust and trusting yourself too is really important. And um, I think too, knowing that you deserve 
good things in life too. <laughs> Beautifully worded, absolutely. Grace and Amanda, do you have any last minute uh, or last uh, comments? And then I'm gonna close it out with something very important I wanted to share on this uh, podcast. Sure, hey, this is Grace real quick. Yes, uh, and beautiful everyone and echoing what everyone has said, I'd say, Yes, that people, adoptees, you are worthy and you're sacred. Um, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, and definitely want to validate, further validate all of your feelings. So, like, yeah, you don't have to appease the people who ask you offensive questions. But to me, I've also learned that I also have a right to be mad. <laughs> I have a right to be mad at the people who abandoned me and the people who adopted me. And with all of those complex feelings, like I, I can have them and I can decide who I want to be. So um, I think that adoptees are amazing, special people and we are uh, often just too, um, uh expansive amazing <laughs> for one world so we get to live in lots of different worlds and i hope that in the right communities we'll get to flourish and 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 uh, be everything that we desire and yes uh reiterating again we deserve all the things that we uh desire and and I hope that, that other adoptees who are in need can find Beautiful. other adoptees. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda, do you have anything? Um, yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, pretty much I agree with what everyone else has said about, you know, mental health being, you know, such a very um, important part of the adoption discussion, you know, and I think it's, it's definitely very important, you know, I think for people to, who are struggling with adoption to seek out counselors or a therapist, you know, or just a trusted friend, just someone that you can, you know, just talk to about these things. But additionally, I've, I found that a lot of my uh, coming to terms, I suppose you could say, with my adoption has come from um, finding creative or personal projects that kind of let me um, expel some of like those feelings, um, you know. So I do a lot of improv comedy and a lot of uh, sketch comedy, and a lot of my experiences, you know, I've I've thrown into into these sets, and it's been a bit of a catharsis for me, you know, to kind of work out some of these scenarios in a different way. And it's, I I found personally that it's been really really helpful for me to kind of again work through a lot of those feelings and what is a safe space so i i think that if you're struggling with it maybe finding something similar you know if it's even just writing it down you know writing down your feelings that can even just be like the biggest help too just to get everything out on paper you know that's my biggest Absolutely. uh i would i would say yeah Thank you for sharing that. So this last part right here before we close out is a very important um, source of information I really want to share on this particular episode and we'll provide all the links and information in the description box. 
but um, there, so one of the things mentioned earlier um, was the intersectionality, how a lot of times adoptees tend to be left out of those conversations. And one really critical uh, issue that's happening right now in our country is undocumented adoptees. Um, I did a report back when I went to school about the situation, and there's approximately, um, according to The Intercept, um, and I'll provide the link on that. There's approximately 25,000 to 49,000 undocumented adoptees currently in this country. There was, and this was published May 14, 2019. There was a bill that was trying to be passed last year to grant automatic citizenship to undocumented adoptees. Um, unfortunately, it was blocked. It still hasn't passed through. Um, the child, there is a an act that came out in 2000 that's called the Childhood Citizenship Act, which granted all international adoptees automatic citizenship in this country, but many adoptees end up becoming undocumented because parents didn't finish the paperwork properly um, before the year 2000. It was a two-system design, so one set was for the legalization of the child um, becoming part of the family, and then the other half was becoming the citizen. Well. Again, to be fair, it was still a relatively new system in the country, so a lot of adoptees did not have the paperwork completely finished. And many undocumented adoptees find out they're undocumented when they go apply for things like passports or government um, items. And, and I think it was 2017, I'm going to have to double check, and again, we'll provide the link. There was a man named Philip Clay, and this is one of the things that uh, sparked a hashtag called hashtag flip the script. And it focuses a lot on adoptee stories because what happened was is he was out of Seattle, I believe, Washington. He had a run-in with some issues and he actually got deported back to Korea and he ended up committing suicide off of a multi-story building because he didn't, wasn't raised in Korea. He had no connection to Korea. So it's literally like plucking somebody who was raised in the United States and sent back to a place they have no connection with. So this is a very serious issue that I wanted to make sure to share on this podcast because almost no one I've ever spoke to knows anything about this. So according to the article, it says the exemption, a political compromise to get a world Republican members on board, left out tens of thousands of adult adoptees across the U.S. In, according to the Adoptee Rights Campaign. So when the Childhood Citizenship Act was enacted, it only applied to children who were 18 and under. Those who were 18 and above were left in limbo to this very day. And many adoptees have the fear of deportation as they have already deported some other adoptees as well. So I wanted to stress that really important information among all of those who are listening for this podcast. I will provide the links in the description for those to sign on to make it legal for all undocumented adoptees to become citizens. But on behalf of Third Paradigm, um, I wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you, everyone, for taking the time out and chatting with us today. This was a very personal episode for me personally, and I am very honored yes. that you all took the time out to be open, be honest, and um, hopefully you can all stay in contact with each other. Feel free to connect with each other. And as mentioned earlier, uh, we I will provide the description in the box. Make sure to check out Matt's uh, blog. Um, provide, I'll provide that link as well. And Grace's uh, The Pin Hook at thepinhook.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming on board for this very special episode. And we hope to see you again very soon. And as mentioned, at the end of the year, we have a essentially a guest reunion. And we're inviting everyone to come back for the two-part special episode. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.